while you're standing, just want to give some just opening remarks here. This sermon series, this is our last week of, of Give to Give, and I believe it's been an impactful series for this church. And today is going to be our final sermon for, for this right now, and we give, uh, want us to understand again that we give from the position of being blessed, and we give for the purpose of being a blessing, Right? That's how we give to give. That's what it means, that we give from the position of being blessed, but we give for the purpose of being a blessing. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to go to verses 31 through 33. I want to say thank you to this church for blessing my wife and I. 18 years. 18 years, babe. It's been a good 18. I told her the other day, I said, 18 years, and I said, I'm just, I wonder, you know, what the next 18 is going to look like, and, um, you know, when, when you're in the ministry, when you pastor, this is our life. Um, you are our life, and um, this church is our life, this city, and uh, this is what we do, and I uh, just kind of got excited thinking about, man, God, what are you going to do, not just in our family, but in our ministry, but what are you going to do in the lives of the people of this church? What are you going to do in this city in the next 18 years? And how powerful, and, and it's going to look so different. I promise you it's going to look different because 18 years ago, I couldn't have told you that we would be here doing what we're doing. But when we follow the leading of the Lord, when you follow the leading of the Lord, he will take you to his perfect will. There is no greater place than to be in the perfect will of God. And I'm thankful to be there today. Amen. Matthew 6, I'm going to read a familiar portion of this scripture, verses uh, 31 through 33. I'm reading from the ESV. It might be a little different from what you have, but it says, Therefore, do not be anxious. Look at your neighbor and say, Don't be anxious. Saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows that you need something to eat. God knows you need something to drink, and God definitely knows we all need something to wear. <laughs> Hallelujah. That would be awkward church services. But it says, verse 33, but seek first. Everybody shout first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness in all of these things that were just mentioned will be added unto you. So what's the scripture saying? It's saying don't be anxious like those who serve the God of materialism as we talked about last week. That, that when you serve the God of things, you worry about those things. So today... We're going to put the worries to the side. And we're going to say, God, my focus is going to shift from the things of this world to you. My faith is going to be activated today. We're going to be talking at the end of this message. We're going to talk, and I promise you, at the end of this message, your faith is going to be here, if not already. Your faith in giving is going to be here. And I believe we're going to talk about that van that I showed you last week. We're going to talk about the church is in the need, in a desperate need of a, a nice church van that is safe and reliable. And at the end of this message, we're going to make faith promises. And I truly believe by the end of this message, when we do that, that we're going to pay for that van fully. I, I believe we will still be debt-free, a debt-free church. And I believe God is going to do something powerful through this message today. Let us not focus on the things all around us. But when you begin to think about the goodness of God and the blessings of God and that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, God's going to do it today. So once you put your Bibles down, lift your hands, once you prepare your heart today for what God's going to bring to us, prepare your minds right now, remove all distraction. God, I ask you right now if you would, 
God, to enter into this place one more time, Lord. I pray, God, your word is already anointed. God, I pray you anoint my lips today to bring forth this word. God, I pray, God, let our faith, Lord, uh, God, be elevated today, Jesus, to a place where we understand and know that everything we have is yours. Uh, God, we simply return unto you that which is yours. Uh, God, that we will today, Lord God, uh, God, as your scripture says, test you, try you, Lord. Uh, God, that you open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, God. We believe it today, uh, and we give you praise and glory for it in the name of Jesus. We pray and somebody shout amen. amen. You may be seated. But seek first the kingdom of the one who created all things and seek his righteousness and he will be your provision. 1 Samuel 15, to kind of give you a little pretext on this, Israel's king Saul was instructed by God to destroy the Amalekites. But he did not fully obey the word of the Lord. And he was confronted by Samuel the prophet. Let's go to First uh, Samuel 15, 22. It says, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Hear that. What is more pleasing? What a great question. What is more pleasing unto the Lord? your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, or the obedience to his voice, to his word. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of the rams. You see, offerings without obedience are meaningless. Sacrifice without submission is powerless. I'm preaching today on this right here, this, this thought, this final week of this sermon series the principle of first. The principle of first. You see, we serve a God who is very exclusive, that he is quite literally one of a kind. There is no others like him. There's not. You can find somebody who's kind of like you, maybe a same personality. Or, you know, now, you are, you, you, I would say you're kind of one of a kind, but I could look around today, and I could see some that are really close when I look across the sanctuary and identical twins. You're pretty close. God does not have an identical twin. He is one all by himself. There's not three sitting on three separate thrones. There is one. He said, I am one. When you see me, you see the Father. He is one. So God used the voice of the prophet Isaiah to declare this eternal truth. In Isaiah 43 and 11, he said, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. In 44 and 6, Isaiah, thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Isaiah 44 and 8, fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time? And have and have declared it uh, that ye are even my witnesses. And there is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. That's the word of God. You see, throughout the Old Testament, over and over again, God declares that He alone is God. And this theme of oneness continues into the New Testament, it doesn't just stop. But it continues into the New Testament. You say, well, we, we're not going to go off the Old Testament, right, Pastor? We're, gonna, we're, we're just going to look to Acts. May I talked about that last week. You can't just look at the book of Acts. There is truth all throughout the Bible. And we're going to find that there is oneness in the Old Testament, and we're going to find there is oneness in the New Testament. Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You have to have his name stamped on your life. You have to have your name spoken over you when you go down in the water to have those sins washed away. Why? Because there is no other name that has the power to remove them. Galatians 1, 6 through 9 says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. It says, but though, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. 
It says, as we said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. There's only one saving name, and there is only one saving gospel. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and thank God he's in you all. Anybody thankful for the whole? Anybody thankful you've been filled with the spirit this morning? that you became one with him. I'm thankful today. I put my flesh to the side and said, fill me up, God. This is truth, and this truth is very clear. He is God, and he is God alone. However, humanity has a proven track record, a certain tendency to, to attempt to, to create and to serve lesser gods. So God had, had to give some very direct instructions in his word. Exodus 20 and 3 says that thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus 34, 14. For thou shalt worship no other god. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. So I want us all to get this following statement ingrained in our hearts and our minds this morning. Everybody hear these words. God wants to be first on your list of values and priorities in your life. He's not okay with second place. He not only wants to be first, but he wants to be only. A list that only has one thing listed on it. First and only. You see, anything else that takes his place as first is an idol in your life. And he will not share his glory with anyone or anything. So if you say God's been absent from my life, then you might want to check where you have him positioned in your life because he will not take second place in your life. I want to look at the principle of first. This is the principle of first. Let's read our text one more time. Matthew 6, 31 through 33. It says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So don't be anxious like those who serve the God of materialism. If you serve the God of materialism, then you put your hope and your faith and your trust in the things the world has to offer to you. And we know really quick that what the world offers to you can be yanked from you in a second. You see, when you serve the God of things, you worry about all those things all the time. Why? Because your God is powerless to protect those things. If that's what you're serving, that's your God. So you are responsible to protect and preserve your own things. If what you serve is your God, what you serve has no power to protect itself, so therefore you step into the role of God. That's a dangerous place to be. Because you are serving a God, little g, that you created that was fashioned by the hand of man. There are really only two options we want, I want to understand in this life, that you can serve a God that you create or you can serve a God who created you. Who you worship will determine your outcome in the end. But I urge you today to seek first the kingdom of the one who created all things, and I urge you not just to seek the kingdom, but I also urge you to seek the righteousness of the God of that kingdom. We need a righteousness in our life. We need to be right with God. We need to seek out right living, not just on Sundays, but when you leave this place and tomorrow morning you wake up, who you were in this couple of hours here in a service is who you need to be tomorrow morning when you go to work. The 
out of your mouth and this place should not come out of your mouth there. I'm telling you, if he's your God, he wants to be the God of all. God, I want those things, not just your kingdom, but I want to be right with you today, God, in all things, in all things. We need to seek out right living, the right way of doing things, right perspective, right values, right priorities. And if you do that, and when you get to that place, then he will be, every time, your provision. All these things, it says, will be added unto you without taking away from you. It does not say I'm taking away from you to get this. It says, all these things will be added unto you. Hear me, that when you sell part of yourself, it will cost you your soul because when you serve the God of things it only takes from you and it never gives to you but the word of God tells us that when we seek God first that all these things are added to you without losing your soul that when you are serving God these things are added to you and when they're added to you it's actually blessing you but you you got to be real with yourself today and say listen Maybe some of you can say, Pastor, I, I haven't always been in this. I haven't always been in church. I haven't always had a relationship with God. I used to give my life to the things of this world. The things of this world will suck you dry. But the things of God will fill you up like an everlasting spring that will flow out of you. It never dries up. That's what I'm talking about. you got to seek after those things today. This is the, perf or the principle of the first. His kingdom and his righteousness must come first. And there's only one thing on that list. I want to look here at the vertical list. A vertical list of priorities is really difficult to maintain. Because sometimes work is the priority and you go to work. And sometimes family is the priority and you take time for your family. And sometimes church is the priority and you go to church. And sometimes you serve in the community, and that's your priority. But I want you to think of it this way, in the circle of priorities, instead of the vertical priorities, circle of priorities, that God is in the middle of everything. Like the hub on a wheel, he's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. And everything else is like the spokes of the wheel that you don't have to choose one good thing over another it's not either or or it's actually both and you don't choose ministry over family or family over ministry you choose ministry and ministry begins with your relationship with God in the home and extends out from the home you don't choose family time and church time you choose both When it's family time, you choose that. But when it's church time, you don't prioritize family time over church time. You choose church. I've had people say, we don't come on Wednesday nights, Pastor, because that's our family time. What else could you be doing on a Wednesday night that is better than bringing your family into the presence of God and hearing the word of God and being poured into from God. You can tell me afterwards, and I'll tell you you're wrong. Because there is nothing better than this right here. God is first and only. He is the center of everything else. That it revolves around him. Your life should revolve around God. Eternity is going to revolve around him. Why not have your life revolve around him? So let's look back here at Luke 6, 38. We talked about it last week. Luke 6, 38 says, Give and you shall receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you give back. So understand that God has unlimited resources but he chooses to restrict them. 
He chooses at times to restrict himself. He is your resource. But not every time we ask for something, we get it. Thank God. Because his ways are of our ways, his thoughts. We, we, can't, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but he does. That's why we trust him. He understands if he would answer that prayer, it might be a road to destruction for us. But he has the resource to give us whatever we need. He chooses to pour out on me what I am willing to pour out on others. We talked about that last week. We talked about don't expect forgiveness if you can't give forgiveness. That scripture is not all about money at all. It's what you can give is what you get back. You see, you are the limiting factor or you are the enabling factor when it comes to the blessings of God in your life. Just point to yourself and say, it's on me. You can't blame your neighbor. You can't say at the end of service, you know, I would have got my blessing today if she would have worshiped a little harder. If that choir would have sang just a little louder, they might have broke through and got me my blessing. If you would have sat there and not had your arms crossed the whole time, maybe you would have got the blessing. If you would have stood and raised your hands and said, God, my life's a mess. So I'm going to worship you anyways. Maybe you would get that blessing. You can't put it off on anybody else. Say, Pastor, we're done a different sermon series. Maybe, you know, maybe. Can't blame anybody else. God created giving for us, not for him. He doesn't need anything. God is not worried about resources. Like some of us today are sitting in this room worried about our resources and how are we going to pay for that? How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to do this or that? Tomorrow, your mind is on next week. Your, your mind is on payday next week. I just can't wait for it to get here. We're so wrapped up in those. God never has those moments. He's not concerned about those things. Why? Because he owns it all. He created it. Therefore, it's his. Everything is his. Man can sit on earthly thrones. But I'm telling you right now, God owns the throne they sit on. And he can remove them from the throne when he wants to remove them from, from the throne. What we have is his. He owns everything. He has everything that he needs. But we, as his people, we need giving. Shout it out. I need giving. Giving does something supernatural in us when we give. When we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then everything else falls into place. Anybody else want to testify for that today? If you can't testify of it, I, I, I challenge you to try it. I promise you, it works. When he is in the center of your life, the center of our focus and the center of our purpose, the center of our family and the center of our church, when we come into alignment with the heart of God, then he will pour out upon us his provision. But if he is not first, you will not have order in your life. You will have chaos and you will have confusion in your life. If every day you wake up and your mind just seems confused and you seem like there is always chaos around you, then you need to take a step back and hit your knees and ask God, where is the chaos and the confusion coming from? I need you to help me to remove it, God. What do I need to do to bring back peace, the peace that passeth all understanding? He's the prince of peace. That means the prince of peace must be missing from your life. I don't want to live in confusion and chaos. We don't have to live in confusion and chaos because God makes himself available. I want to talk about for a few moments the tithe. The first fruits. Everybody just shout out the first fruits. It's one of the most important and practical applications of this principle of first is our tithing. Our tithe is the principle of first fruits. It is returning to the Lord the first 10% of our increase. Returning. Now I say returning. Remember, it all belongs to God. And when it all belongs to God... And you have that mindset that it all belongs to God. I'll tell you right now, we, we did it last week. Remember, I gave away, Brother Mark, I gave away your money. It, it, it hurt you, but it, it, didn't, it didn't hurt 
You know, Brother Sam, when, when, when Sam gave that money away, it didn't hurt him at all. Because it's easy to, it's easy to give someone else's things away. That's why when you understand that what you have and the blessing and the increase that you have in your life comes from God and belongs to God ultimately, that's why it's not painful to walk down the aisle and drop a tithe or an offering into the bucket. But what you do, Brother Nana, you say it all the time, that it is something joyful. We should worship. We should say, God, thank you. God, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the blessing, God. Because you blessed me, I now can give to give. Thank you, Lord. Down the aisle just dancing. God, thank you, Lord. God, I'm going to shout because I get to give back today. God, this is going to bless somebody else, Lord. God, this is going to let somebody else experience what I experienced. God, thank you, Lord. God, I love you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. It shouldn't be a dreaded thing. So many church service, church services, not just this church, but so many church services that when they go to take up offering, the Spirit of God just It's not fellowship hour. Thank you, Brother Bob. I will. It's not fellowship hour. It's not time to catch up on what so-and-so is doing next week. It's not time to catch up. It's not time to make plans where you're going to eat afterwards. It's actually a form, one of the greatest forms of worship that you can do. So your mind should be on worship when you return. And it's a re reminder. If you got the connect this month, you should have read that. If you haven't, go check your email and read it. That's what I was talking about. It is a reminder for us. Every time we get to return unto God, it reminds us of where he brought us from. So we should be happy and cheerful to say, God, I return this unto you. It's yours anyways. So returning, remember, it belongs to him. So I don't preach a lot on tithing on Sundays. I would guess that probably most people in here can't tell me the last time I preached uh, on tithing alone on a Sunday. 2018, I think, was probably the last time. I don't preach on this a lot on tithing, but I have a responsibility as your pastor to preach and to teach the whole truth of God. That's why I said last week, I can't just preach Acts 2.38 every Sunday because you can get that principle and get that experience, but if you're missing out on the commandments of God, the Word of God tells me that you don't even love Him. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So this principle is so important because God wants us to catch the vision of giving, not the vision of getting. This is a message. This is not, today is a message. This is not condemnation, but a message of blessing. That if you want to be blessed, follow the principles of tithing. It's that simple. That's why I'm teaching it today. You say, Pastor, I've never heard this before. Well, you're going to hear it today, and then you get to make the decision. I'm not making it for you. You make the decision whether or not you want to be blessed. Just like we always say, people, this whole world is going to make a decision whether or not they want to be saved. I'll preach the message to them until I'm blue in the face. But they've got to make a decision. Do I want salvation in my life? You've got to make a decision today. Do you want blessing in your life? Because I'm telling you, I, I know what it's like to live under blessing. And there's a lot of people in this room that you know what it means to live under blessing because you're faithful and you're giving and your tithes. And God has blessed you because of it. So the law of first mention is also an important biblical principle. The first mention of tithing is found in actually in Genesis 14. After Abram's victory over his enemies, uh, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, said, and the priest of God foreshadowing our king and priest Jesus Christ encounters Abram. Genesis 14, 19 through 20. It says, And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And, be, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. You find it right there. This is not something new. That this is the best possible definition of tithing you can find in the scripture. It is 10% of everything that he has. This reference of the principle of tithing predates the law of Moses by 500 years. 
So it is also found in the law of Moses and continues after Jesus fulfilled the law of Moses. You see, the tithe, the first 10%, belongs to the Lord. It is a percentage which makes it equal and fair for everyone. The Lord did not set a set amount that you have to give back to him, a return unto him. But he set a percentage because he understands and understood because he's God and he knows all. He understood that not everybody in this room makes the exact same amount every week. And because God is so good, he said, I'm going to make the offering of someone, let's just throw the number out there. Let's say somebody makes $1,000 a week, that they bring a $100 tie to him, and they put it in the offering. And then you've got, you've got uh, these little fellas up here in the front. Y'all ain't so little anymore. Growing up on me. But you've got these young men in the front that might get a side job. Colton, let's say you make $10 this week, bud. And you walk down that aisle right next to that person that's getting ready to drop in 100 And you drop in a dollar. God looks at you and that person equally. He said your giving was just as much as his giving. Because it came from a place of principle and it came from a place of cheerfulness. He said, I'm going to follow the commandment. That's why God said, I'll make, I'll make sure everyone can be a part of this. That God will bless you just like he'll bless that person. Our God is good. And all the time. So in the biblical times, they were a part of a, uh, a system that, that, based, that was based on the agriculture. It was harvest and livestock. Exodus 13, the Lord said to Moses, Starting verse 2, then we'll jump to verse 12. He says, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Verse 12, he says, You shall set apart to the Lord all the first, opens, all the first that opens the womb, and all the firstborn of the animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you shall not redeem it, then it shall then it shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. The donkey, the unclean, was redeemed with the lamb, the clean animal. So if you don't redeem it, its neck is to be broken. It will be lost anyway. You see, the lamb, the clean animal, was to be sacrificed because it was the first, and the first had to... Last night, or last week when I preached this, man, how, how powerful is it to know that we can be dirty and stinky and broken? But there was a lamb, firstborn, that came into this world that shed its blood for me and redeemed me and redeemed you. I know we're coming up on Easter, coming up on Good Friday. I know we're going to get excited about it, but I just wonder if we could just take a second and stand to our feet and put our hands together and say, God, thank you for being the lamb that was slain on Calvary for me. I'm not going to wait till Easter. I'm not going to wait till Good Friday. But thank you for loving me and thank you for giving. For me. For my brokenness. For my sins. You gave to give me life. Come on, give God praise this morning for us. Are you thankful for salvation? Are you thankful for the blood that was shed on Calvary? Woo! He's worthy of it. Maybe seated. So let's look at this as a practical application, the harvest. Let's look at the harvest. The first 10% of the field that was harvested belonged to the Lord. Trusting him that he would protect and preserve the remaining 90% of the harvest that would be kept. You're trusting God. As far as the livestock, the first animal was redeemed or it was sacrificed, and the next nine were kept. You see, tithing is a matter of faith in the word of God and trust in the ability of God. You have to have faith in his word and what it says, but you have to have trust 
that he has the ability to do what he says. We manifest our faith and our trust through our obedience unto his word. You see, many times we see the number 10 in Scripture, and many times it represents a test. You see 10 plagues in Egypt, 10 times that God tested Pharaoh's heart, 10 commandments that God tested Israel, 10 times God tested Israel in the wilderness. Jacob's wages were changed 10 times. Daniel tested 10 days. 10 virgins tested in the parable in Matthew 25. 10 days of testing in Revelation 2. 10, there's something powerful about that number. Tithing is 10%. The 10% is a test. It's a test that is put upon us. It is a test of our spiritual walk with God. It is a test that proves if you have conquered your flesh. It is the only way to prove that you have overcome greed. But it is a two-way test, I'm telling you this morning, because tithing is also a test of God. Malachi 3, 8 through 11, it says, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? That you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no room, no more room, or no more need. Verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil or your vine in the field. It shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Hear me this morning. There is a blessing in tithing, and there is protection in tithing. I'm not preaching this for me to be blessed. I'm not preaching this for the church to be blessed, but I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed, your home to be blessed. I want your family to be blessed. I want you to understand something that myself, when you give a tithe, it's not a blessing, that this is not my salary is set for the church, that when you give your tithes, my salary doesn't increase. Just to rest assured for everybody this morning, just want to be transparent with you and let you know. And I will tell you this, in the Old Testament, the tithes was actually set aside for the cares of the priest. And some churches still to this day pay their pastor all the tithes that come into the church. But my salary is set by our church board. So I want you to know that I don't, I don't get an increase. When the tithes go up, I don't get an increase. That's not how that works. That's not how we do that. That if you receive an inheritance uh, or win the lottery, my salary doesn't go up if you write a million-dollar check next week to your tithing. It doesn't change. What the church has to give to give does, but it doesn't affect me. So just to let that be out there, I want you to know the church board decides for me. And we trust our church board to do a good job. I return my tithes on everything, every increase. Why? Because 90% with God's blessing will go much further than 100% without God's blessing. If you're a leader here at LifePoint and you're not returning your tithe to the Lord, you will not be blessed, and our church will not be blessed. Leadership needs to tithe. I met with all the leaders in the church, and that was one of the things I went through. All the requirements. You have to be a tithe-paying member. You have to be a tithe-paying member to be a voting member. Why? Because those who invest into the church can have a voice in what the church does. 
I'm just teaching you. I know this is a little different. I'm kind of teaching today. We call this preaching. Preaching and teaching. But our, our leadership, understand. I want you to understand that your ministry, you cannot expect your ministry to bring forth fruit if, if you're not putting back into the kingdom. I want us to understand this morning that someone gave to build this building. It didn't just appear one day. <laughs> Somebody gave. Someone is paying for the church staff. Someone is paying for the utilities. Thank the Lord for air conditioning and for heat during the winter. Thank the Lord for lights. Thank the Lord for a sound system. Thank the Lord for all the great things that we have, but someone is paying for this. Someone invested in the new property. A lot of you invested in that new property. We're all going to invest into a new building. And I, I believe that generations from now, if the Lord doesn't return before then, that there's going to be a phenomenal Holy Ghost-filled church going on up there with a lot of you youngins right now that are going to be leading it. But I never want you to forget someone paid for it. Someone invested for it. Someone gave so you could be blessed. Someone gave parents for your kids to go downstairs on a Sunday morning and Wednesday night and be taught the Word of God in those classrooms someone gave. So I'm not, I'm not preaching this to bring condemnation upon us, but I'm preaching this to celebrate the faithfulness of God's people that someone gave to give us all these blessings. That's why I like to honor. I never got to meet the man, but I, I will always honor Brother Homer White that started this church because he gave. He moved from his home. He moved from Illinois to here to start a tent revival. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the effort. Thank you for using your talent and your calling. And thank you for investing financially to get this thing started because here we are 107 years later and we're still having revival. The Holy Ghost is still moving. We're still growing. Thank you. Someone paid for I'm going to give. God, I'm going to give my tithes. I will return unto you because somebody else, some lost soul in this community is going to get it. And generations from now, their kids are going to be in it. Their grandkids are going to be in it. We have to give. Deuteronomy 26 Verses 1 and 2, it says, When you come into the land that the Lord your God has given, given you for an inheritance and have taken possession of and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God has given you. And you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. Verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion of my house, and moreover I will give it to the Levite and the sojourner and the fatherless and the widow according to all your commandment that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I need to get the tithe out of my house and into his house. The tithe is there. To follow his word and his commandments, we have to get the tithe out of our house and put it back in his house. You see, now that's Old Testament, but what about New Testament? Matthew 23 and 23. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith, that you should tithe, yes, but not, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus said, yes, you should tithe even on the tiniest of income. So I want us to understand something, that we do not pay tithes like an invoice. 
we return tithes back to the Lord. We do not take an offering. We receive an offering. It's not taken, it's given. There's a big difference there. Scripture most often uses the term bring your tithes and offerings, not give. Because you can only give what is yours, but you can bring what is God's and return that. This principle will change your life and it will change your marriage and it will change your family. You see, I cannot afford to pay tithes. True, because you're not returning your tithes. But until you start returning your tithes, you will never be able to return a tithe. So what does it mean to tithe today? In the system that is based upon our nation, on this currency that we have, and not the harvest or the livestock, what's it look like for us today? I believe the principle of first and returning our first fruit means that we tithe on all of our increase. Our gross income, before taxes, I've had people ask me, Pastor, how should we do this? How should we tithe? Should we pay, uh, should we, you know, on gross, uh, what, what should we give? Should we wait till we get our tax return and do on that? Uh, I would encourage everyone that if we want to do this biblically, that we would tax before, uh, we would uh, tithe before taxes, retirement, insurance, house payment comes out. We calculate 10% based on your gross income or your increase, as the Bible says, that the principles of first. So to tithe is telling us this. The instructions are the uh, illustration I gave last week of the 10 quarters. If you were not here, that you can understand that you say, well, I'm going to pay my tithes, but I'll get it at the end after I make sure my car payments are done, my meals and recreation, credit card debt, and maybe I'll throw a little bit into savings, and then if I get to it, I'll pay my tithes. And we say, God, will you bless this little bit that I have left because everything else the world took from me. It's not how it goes. You gave it to the world before you gave God an opportunity to bless it. That's why the Lord is asking off the top that you would pay it first. Because you, and, you, and there's going to be times you might look at the numbers and say, the numbers don't make sense, God. The numbers don't make sense. Then if I, if, God, if I pay my tithing, then I'm not going to be, when I get to the bottom down here, I'm not going to be able to make that, that, that payment this month. God, it doesn't make sense to me, God. I, how, how am I going to do this? But if you will trust him, I promise you, because I'm speaking from experience, that there have been times we say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen. That when you do it and you say, God, I trust you. I'm telling you, there's people in this room right now that just a couple weeks ago stepped out in faith and did something and paid it and gave something. And by the end, of the day, God gave it back to them, not just what they needed, but he gave it back double of what they gave. We're asking God to bless what is left. Instead of saying, what if I tithe first, then God blesses everything that is left. So he can bless the one quarter in your hand or he can bless nine in your hand. That's how it works. So God, I'm going to return my tithes before I do anything else. I would encourage a 10% because the Bible says so. You say, I want to give an offering though, Pastor. Okay, give yourself a 5% offering to the church. That's above and beyond. That's separate from your tithes. That's not your tithing. An offering goes above and beyond the tithing. Give an offering. You say, well, I already gave a, a sacrificial offering this year. Sacrificial offering is different than offering. It's different. An offering is something you're offering up to the Lord. That weekly you offer something above and beyond my tithe. God, I'm going to give you an offering into the church. And then you say sacrificial offering. That's what, we're, that's what we've been doing the last couple of years. Sacrificial offering. Prepare the land goes above and beyond your tithes and just a regular offering, but it's a sacrificial offering. You're saying, I really don't have this to give, but I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to say, God, help me and provide for me to give what I want to give to the church. Sacrificial. It costs you something. Amen. If I could have just, just my wife come to the keys right now. I want us to to go back to 1 Samuel 15, 22. I'm coming to a close. It says, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? 
your burnt offerings and sacrifice or your obedience to his voice. It says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat rams. Offerings without obedience is meaningless. Sacrifice without submission is powerless. The fire falls when sacrifice is offered upon the altar of obedience and submission. I want us to understand this morning that this is not a prosperity message. I am not saying you should give to become rich. Anybody rich in here? Mm. No. Even those who say, I give my tithes, I pay my tithes. It doesn't mean you're going to go out and you're going to, you know, win this lottery. I, had a, I got a phone call the other day, and I answered the phone. And the guy said, he said, hello, I'm going to tell you something so great. I said, well, what is it? He said, you have won $950,000 in a brand-new car. And I said, let me guess. He said, what? I said, does this include oceanfront property in Arizona? And he hung up on me. This is not some magic formula that I'm trying to tell you that you're all going to become millionaires. There are preachers who will stand on their, their pulpits every Sunday and they will focus on giving, 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 giving. It is to build a personal kingdom, not the kingdom of God. But I preach the give to give principle because it is a biblical principle. I preach tithing because it's in his word and it needs to be taught. Because I want your family to be blessed. God said, I'll bless you. I'll pour it out upon you. If you follow my commandments, I will in return bless you. He will bless you. Will he bless you with a million or two? Probably not. But I promise you that your needs will be taken care of. I promise you when it comes to time and you pay your tithe on that Sunday and it comes to Friday and you say, you look at your, look at your husband or your wife and you say, I, I just I don't know how we're going to do this. I, we, this bill is due. I promise you there are going to be moments where there's going to come a knock on your door and you're going to open the door. It's going to be somebody saying, God led me here to give you this money. I don't know why I'm doing this, but just take it. And it's the exact amount and maybe more of what you need to pay the bill. This, this is real. This is what I'm talking about. This is real. I learned this at a young age. Mom, thank you for teaching me tithing when I, was, when I was young. As a teenager, I was paying tithing when I got my first job. And there was one time my car payment came up, and I, I didn't have the money to make the payment. And I, I went down to the bank when I was on lunch just for faith. I felt it. God just said, go down and check the bank. I thought, Lord, there's nothing in it. And I got in my car, and I drove down to the bank, and I walked up to the teller, and I said, here's my name, my information. I said, can you tell me what's, what's in my account? And she pulled it up, and she looked at me, and she kind of looked at me kind of funny, and she, she said, uh, well, you just made a deposit. I said, no, I didn't. She said, well, I don't know what to tell you, but somebody, somebody just made a deposit into your account just a few minutes ago. I said, what's the amount? It was the exact amount that I needed to pay my payment. Sometimes God will give you exactly what you need. Sometimes he'll bless you with more. But it was the principle that I understood as a teenager. That, God, I'm going to do this now, Lord. I don't have a lot to give, God. God, but I'm going to pay my tithes. And I'm going to put this in your hands, God. And I'm going to trust you, Lord, that you said you would do this. And God, every time, has come through. It's who he is. I want us to understand something this morning. Here's the reality. We don't have all the resources we need in one individual in this room. Last time I checked, I don't think there's any multimillionaire sitting in this building that can write a check right now to pay for a new building. We don't have one person in this room that can, that can eliminate the cost to purchase a new and safe van for our church and for the van ministry and for our young people. 
I don't think there's one person sitting in this room that could take care of all the expenses that's going to come to take care of the land and to build a new building and to put all the stuff that needs to go inside. I don't think there's one person sitting here today that can do that. But God's asking not for one individual to write one big check and pay for it all. But God is asking that we as the body of Christ, but we as the LifePoint family, take the responsibility of His commandments and we take the resources that we do have and that we place them in the hands of God, the miracle worker. And He's asking that we sow our resources into the soil of faith. And we say, God, I can't do this on my own. But if I join together, Brother Mark, if I give what God's given me to give, and I join together with you, you say, Brother Kidwell, if you'll follow the commandments of God, Brother Brooks, if you'll follow the commandments of God, young men, if you'll follow the commandments of God, and you'll give whatever it is, mowing yards, whatever it is you're making, if you'll faithfully give, come on, we got brand new, I'm just going to call you just a new member. You've been here two weeks. You're going to be part of the family soon. You just keep coming. You can join right in. Sister Courtney, thank you for faithfully giving. Thank you for being a giver. Do you understand? This is just a small group of us. But you see what happens? It's not one of us standing up and saying, oh, I'm just going to write a big old check and take care of this. But it's the family of God when we come united together and we say, I will give. I will give to give. I will pay a tithing, God. I will return unto you that which is yours, my first fruit. I will, I will do my part. And when we all do our part, then God will put a blessing upon this church. And he will bless the unity of this church. He will bless the giving of this church. Thank you. God will bless us. And he'll say, every need that you need. I know that God spoke and said, before the last brick is laid upon that church. I'm telling you, it might not come from one big check being written, but it might be, it might come from you stepping out in faith and me stepping out in faith and you stepping out in faith and then God leading other people to step out in faith and to bless us. I'm telling you, there's something powerful about it. God says, use the resources and the blessings I've given you and if you will let me bless the 90, I will bless it and it will overflow in this church today let's all stand we're about to activate our faith and we're going to demonstrate our trust in God who never fails the God who can do anything you see because I understand that sacrificial giving opens the door to the supernatural Sacrificial giving opens the door to provision and the miraculous demonstration. You can't tell me it doesn't. You come too late to tell me that. Over the past two years, God has done so much in this church because of sacrificial giving. I, I share stories with pastors all over the place. I had one pastor call me of a massive church. He called. He said, I've been following you guys. He said, how in the world did you pay off your property in the midst of a pandemic? How? I said, man, it's the give to give mentality. I said, our church has it. It doesn't stop us. What's going on around us doesn't stop us because we understand God's in control. And this same pastor said, share it with me. I want to I hear about it. Tell me about it. And I began to share with him the give-to-give give mentality. He took it back to his church and started preaching it. And he said just a few weeks later, he was standing in his parking lot, and their, their big, massive parking lot, and it needed repaved, and it was in horrible shape. And so they decided to go ahead and, and to take a step of faith. They said, we're going to go ahead and do this. And he said there was two men in his church that are, are very financially stable and he said that they missed that service and they pulled through 
within 15 minutes of each other, they pulled through the parking lot. I said, Pastor, what are, we, what are you doing out here? He said, we're preparing to repave our parking lot. He said, you know, I don't want our guests tripping over holes, and I don't want our senior saints, you know, falling down. He said, it, it, it needs repaired really bad. And he said that the gentleman reached over and grabbed his checkbook. He said, Pastor, here's a $20,000 check to put towards that. He said 15 minutes later, the other gentleman drove through and said, Pastor, what are you doing? He began to explain to him. He said, I feel led in the Holy Ghost, Pastor, right now to write you a check. He said, here, here's a $20,000 check. Within 15 minutes, because they took the mentality, he said, the reason that we, the reason we were doing the parking lot, he said, because we wanted to do the safety of the people he said, now, you might, some people might say, well, that's just silly. That's just a parking lot. He said, no, that's where our guests walk through our doors. He said, that's where our saints come in to worship. He said, that is the land, is the property God has given us. He said, and I want to take care of it and do it right. It's the give-to-give mentality that we understand that when we do sacrificial giving, God opens the door to the supernatural. And provision. I, w- I want to, before we move into what we're getting ready to do for this van, for our church, I want you to hear me this morning that this is bigger than vans and buildings. It's bigger than parking lots. I know we have a lot of stuff to do and a lot of stuff to purchase and a lot of things to build, a lot of stuff to build, but I-, I want you to understand to me, and I want you to grab a hold of this, it is bigger than that. It's bigger than vans and buildings. It's bigger than than parking lots. It's bigger than those things. Give to give is about releasing the Holy Ghost in this church and in this city. Give to give is about healing the sick and the broken. Give to give is about deliverance of the captives. Give to give is about salvation to the lost. It is giving others the opportunity to experience what you have experienced and what you're experiencing this morning. We give to give. When this van, Brother Jack, who knows who you're going to pick up in the future? Who knows what missionaries you're going to pick up? That God's going to call them to a missionary field. You got some of the greatest preachers and missionaries that were bus kids, picked up on a bus. Because there was a church that said, I'll give to give. And one of those, one of those missionaries said that he wanted to see a 100,000 soul, 100, soul revival when he was going to go overseas and preach. He said the Lord told him he was going to see it. He said that he went to the Philippines. And when he started preaching, he said there was over 100,000 people there. And God filled 100,000 people with the Holy Ghost. He said, I washed it with my eyes. That missionary was a bus kid. Just a regular old bus kid that came in, sat in Sunday school, grew up and accepted the call. And look what God did. This morning, I want us to look back at the scripture I read earlier. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me. The NIV says it this way, test me. God says, test me. Test me in this. God, you know what he's saying? He's saying, give me the opportunity to prove to you that I am God. Give me the opportunity to prove to you that my word is kept. That when I speak it, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall come. He said, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That's what I want today. God, I want your blessings. God, we want you But, God, we need your blessings. And today I want to make a commitment, Lord, that I'm going to give to give. Can we raise our hands all over this place right now? Come on.
God, I'm going to give to give today, God. God, I'm going to give of my tithe. I'm going to return it into the storehouse, Lord. God, I'm going to give offering, God, and sacrificial offering, Lord. God, I'm going to do what I have to do. God, I'm going to give of my time and my talent, Lord. God, I'm going to give. Why, God? Because somebody's soul, God, is dependent upon it, Lord. God, I'm going to because somebody else gave, God. And that's why I stand here today, Lord. Somebody else, God, reached out to my grandparents, Lord. God, because they gave their time and their talent, God, and they gave, Lord, uh, their finances. Lord, I stand here today, God, uh, preaching, God, uh, this, mu- this message, Lord. Uh, God, I stand here today, Lord, uh, God, with salvation, Lord. Uh, God, I stand here today, God, forgiven, Lord, uh, under your grace and your mercy, God, because somebody, uh, somebody along the way, God, uh, was willing to give, to give, God. Uh, and today, Lord, uh, let us be just that, uh, givers, Lord, uh, to give somebody the chance and the opportunity, God. Somebody the opportunity, Lord. God, to receive it, Lord. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus.